Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Our poor leadership, and it is really bad in Washington and many states, and a bunch of overseas threats like China and Russia are making we the people collectively insecure, and, and therefore we're not a happy people anymore. And this isn't a buoyant uh, country. Now, I'm generalizing. You know, in your life, you may be very, very happy, and I hope you are. And you may, may be spreading that happiness around. I hope you do. But collectively, we're, we're on edge here. And that sets the stage for a political strong man to rise up again. And that man would be Donald Trump. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So last night on Hannity, uh, Mr. Trump sat for an interview for the whole program. Not much new stuff, and I'll explain why in a moment. There's a reason. Um, the former president uh, basically was annoyed, as he has been for years, about his circumstance, particularly the investigations of him. Roll the tape. It's a new way of cheating on elections. It's called election interference. What they're doing is if they can't win at the ballot box, because I'm leading everybody by a lot in the polls, from every Republican, frankly, and every Democrat by a lot, including Biden, by a lot. And uh, they can't beat you that way. They're going to do this kind of stuff. Okay, so there were two things on the record uh, in the Hannity interview. Number one, Donald Trump said he never had any social relationship with Stormy Daniels. And number two, that he would not have bailed out the Silicon Valley Bank to the tune of $20 billion taxpayer money. Now, President Biden doesn't care about that. 
Um, he is the wildest, most irresponsible spender in the nation's history by far, by far. And he just writes the checks, orders the money to go out. And of course, our debt rises and rises and rises. And that hurts our economy. And that's the truth. There is there not two sides to that story. The data is the data. But let's get back to Donald Trump. So in my conversations with him, I, I suggested after he asked that uh, he might want to run as a statesman this time around because he has a record of four years. He might want to emulate Winston Churchill. We've gone over this before. Churchill was booted out after World War II as PM of uh, Great Britain. He won a few years later by basically running as, look, I know what I'm doing. Okay. So I suggest that Donald Trump might adapt some of that. He is not going to do that. He's not going to do it. All right. It was clear last night that Donald Trump is going to run his campaign on grievance. Okay. Now, this is very, very interesting. This is a decision he is making, just like the decision uh, to sit for an interview with Sean Hannity, where Donald Trump filibustered the entire interview. So he didn't give Hannity a chance to get into asking follow-up questions. And he would ask a question, and Trump would do five minutes on it all over the place. Now, this is not unusual for a politician, but I'll tell you inside stuff. When I interviewed Barack Obama, who was very good at doing that, by the way, and Donald Trump, and I interviewed Obama three times, Trump about 30 times, I would tell him before the interview, if you filibuster with all due respect, of course, I'm going to have to come in and interrupt you. And I'll do it as long as I have to do it to get the answers to my questions. I would say those words to those presidents because I knew if I didn't, that whatever I asked the president or the politician, whatever it may be, would just answer, answer what they wanted for six, seven minutes. And that's what happened last night. Now, Donald Trump does that, and Barack Obama did that for a particular reason. You control the interview that way. So you basically ignore what the question is and answer what you want to ask. And Donald Trump has mastered that. It's a very hard interview. Interestingly enough, when I went out on the tour, the history tour with him, he didn't do any of that. None of it. He answered every question I had. It wasn't one question he dodged. And he answered it in a pithy way. It wasn't any of this all over the place. But it, for a politician, it is shrewd to control the interview. You don't let a wise guy like O'Reilly make you look bad or ask you questions you don't want to answer. Okay? That is a calculation. The other calculation, as I said, is Donald Trump is going to run on grievance. He believes that most Americans, at least the majority that would put him back into office, are angry at a variety of things. And he's going to tap into that anger and say, I'm the only one who can avenge this, who can stop this madness. And we do have a lot of things to be angry about. Let's be honest in this country. We do. It's harder and harder and harder for working people to have what they deserve, which is a stable economy, a nice place to live in a safe neighborhood. It's hard to have that now in many places in this country. 
and Trump's going to come in and say, I'm going to give it back to you. And only I can do it. That's what he's going to run on. But here's the ironic kicker. Running on grievance is the same thing that the people who exploit African-Americans do. The African-American culture in this country is based on grievance. We are not treated fairly. We never have been treated fairly. We are discriminated against based on skin color. Grievance, grievance, grievance. And it works. It works. And I'm going to prove that to you coming up. We're going to have a segment on reparations. Okay? That grievance has dominated African-American politics for decades. For decades. Donald Trump is doing the same thing on a completely different audience, on a completely different level. But it's all about grievance. Could it work? Yeah. It could. And that's the memo. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product that's being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. All right, let's bring in Mark Penn. He's the guy I referred to earlier. Uh, He oversees the Harvard-Harris poll. He's the chairman and CEO of Stagwell, Inc. One of the smartest political guys, I think, uh, in the country. I try to get you the best experts at the top of the chain whenever we do uh, discussions like this. And I think Mr. Penn is there. Okay, so were you surprised that Trump has got such a big lead over DeSantis and the others, first of all? Well, I'm in general surprised, yes, that that when I look at all of Trump's numbers, uh, he seems to be holding in there pretty well. In in my poll, in the open primary, he's getting about 50 percent. If it's a one-on-one DeSantis, I think he gets 56 percent. Um, you know, his overall ratings are, are higher than Biden's. He beats Biden by 
four points in the in the national presidential election. So yeah, I've I've been surprised. I thought you know that that you know a lot of Trump's very rough comments in in response here would hurt him, but um, maybe they haven't sunk in or they really don't get that much media play. Uh, but but he's consolidating and over on the Democratic side, Biden is also doing somewhat better among Democrats, not better nationally. So ever, neither of these folks are really doing better nationally. They're each doing better with the base. OK, um, one of the thing about the Trump poll you took, he's up for over Biden, is that there's a big 14 percent unsure who to vote for Biden or Trump, which to me um, is a big number. Am I wrong? Well, it's a big number only in the context that these are the best known people that there are. So, so normally when people don't know uh, one of the candidates or both of the candidates, uh, you know, if it was Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, against, you know, Governor Newsom, I'd expect 20, 25 percent undecided. Everybody has an opinion about these, these two folks, uh, but a lot of them don't want either of them. So I think that drives up a uh, high undecided right now and they're saying well you know i i really don't like either of them and so i'm not i'm not going to say okay um donald trump is not going to change i thought he might uh i don't know if you know this but i had supper with him a couple of weeks ago two hours just me and him and when i do that with any president i don't offer unsolicited advice i don't i don't think that's my role as an american citizen I respect the office. But when he asked me a question, I, I give him an answer. And one of the questions um, that we talked about was Winston Churchill's comeback after the British booted him out after World War II. Well, he was shocked that he lost. And then he kind of changed his style a little bit and was reelected PM in uh, Great Britain. And I, I brought it up to him and say, look, you're a statesman now. Um, you have a record to run on. Why don't you kind of shift your energies into that record? There's no way he's going to do it. There is no way on this earth that he is going to change his style or moderate it even a little. That's what I can tell you, to use his phrase, <laughs> I took away from that dinner. He's not changing. Well, and, and so he may be limited. I mean, he has a very significant base. They show up. Uh, they 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 really love him. Uh, they want to vote for him, but that base doesn't look like it's a majority of the country. Right. And and consequently, that's the the limitation. Now, he has Trump a 71 percent favorable among Republicans. Ron DeSantis has a 76 percent favorable. So DeSantis is what we usually call a candidate of potential, a really good favorable among people who know him, and he's not played out yet. No, Trump but if he he's also new, Mark, and you know that the more you get involved with debates and you and you talk and the 71, that's why I ran the Peggy Noonan stuff, because there is a minority within the conservative groups, Republican circles that believe Trump can't win. And that's why they don't want him, because they believe that DeSantis could defeat Biden easier than Trump. Do you believe that? Uh, if DeSantis defeats Trump in the primary, he won't. Think, yeah, well, he has to get he. In order for DeSantis to get a chance to run, 
he's going to have to defeat him in the primary. If he defeats him in the primary, he's going to be a shoe in. All right. right? But but hypothetical. Oh, OK. I'm sorry. I cut you off that. So if DeSantis did get the nomination over Trump, you believe he would whack Biden to a bigger margin than Trump would? Absolutely, because he would he would keep, I think, the, the Trump base and he would get all of the Republicans and even some of the Democratic moderates who don't like Trump because then he defeated Trump. And so I, I think he would just just, you know, have a landslide victory. Remember, Biden is at a 40 to 40, depending upon the poll, 43 percent job approval. No president, to my knowledge, has ever gotten reelected with that kind of job approval. OK, you, you now I want on the other I, side of 45. I want Mark Penn now to step back out of his political analysis job and you just American citizen. There's a regular American citizen. I think the country is in bad trouble. Many different levels. Because Joe Biden is a poor leader and a poor president. Yet 40 percent of Americans still support him to some extent. I don't understand that. Do you? Well, every time I look at it, it's a little bit more about the party than the person. And it's also about the news environment, too. Uh, I, you know, I, I can look at even something like the Hunter Biden laptop and 53 percent of Democrats will still believe that it's Russian disinformation. Or if I ask Democrats, what is how is the economy now? They'll say, oh, the economy is great, at least. 60% of them will say that it's great. So there is uh, about a very large part of, of both parties, frankly, who who are driven now so much by partisanship that the candidates don't matter anymore. Is that different from the past? Uh, you know, I used to say we were sort of in a, a one-third, one-third, one-third country. We're now in a 40-40-20 country. I think there's 40% on each side who are just bedrock partisans these days. And there's about 20% who will determine the election, mostly independents. Um, and, and they're the ones who vary in these poll questions. I mean, you forget when I worked with President Clinton, he had job approval ratings in the mid 70s. And Reagan had job approval ratings in the mid 70s. And no politician now can get above like mid 50s. Right. And, and so because there's too much partisanship, they won't acknowledge someone from another party. And so it is a lot more partisan than I've seen in the past. What about the collapse of the television news media? The, the, we take for granted that the newspapers are obsolete and the people who read The New York Times, Washington Post, all they, they're the elite people. They're not the folks. Believe me, they're not. But the television news media is geared to the folks or was when I was doing it. For all those years, that's collapsed now into the same thing you're talking about. Hardcore choosing a side, don't care to give you information, not even going to give you a count of how many people showed up at Waco to see Trump, not even going to bother with anything like that. How much is the collapse of the television news media industry contributed to the I'm going to use the word ignorance or apathy of the American people. Well, I, I don't I don't think it's it's um, 
I don't think it's apathy. Uh, I think people are involved, but they they learn they're they're in these new spheres that that keep them so isolated and so separate, and having such disparate views that it's so different from the days of Walter Cronkite and the the expectation you were going to get the the full news. Maybe it wasn't completely unbiased. But, but today, just, you know, you know, each side leaves out issues they, that they don't want to talk about. And so you are, you are seeing this almost this information dyslexia, right, among, uh, among the public. I, I, I was actually blown away. Another series of questions in the poll says, do you think Trump should be indicted? So by Alan Bragg. And it's about 50-50. Uh, I think it was 51, yes. Then I ask, well, do you think this is a, a, a solid case? They say no. And do you think he'll be acquitted? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> but they just want him to, to go through the uh, punishment because they hate him so much. And that's well, what the media has accomplished. See, the legal system is just a part, another extension of partisanship and voting. Absolutely. Even if, lose, even, if the, even if it was a nonsensical case. And that surprised me. And that showed a deterioration of values related to our democracy and how our three different branches are supposed to work. Mark, thanks very much. As always, we hope we can talk again, you know, every few weeks. I know you're very busy. It's very kind of you to make time for us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you, and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. California. So this is according to Bloomberg, okay? There is a reparations task force approved by the state legislature and signed by Governor Newsom. Tell us what reparations should be to African Americans of California. On July 1st, they have to issue their report. Right now, they are considering $360,000 to each of the 2 million blacks in California. $360,000. Okay, total cost $640 billion, with a B. Now, California has a budget deficit of $22.5 billion. So they can't afford it, and nobody's going to give them this money. They're not going to be able to borrow it. The feds aren't going to give it to them. So they can't, they can't pay it. They, it's impossible. 
So where is Newsom? He doesn't say anything. But this loopy Sacramento legislature, they could pass this, which will lead to more people leaving California. Now, in 2021, there has not been a more recent poll. Black Americans were asked about reparations by the Pew Research Center. Okay? The question was, do you think descendants of people enslaved in the USA should be repaid in some way, such as given land or money? Yes, 77%. No, 17%. That is overwhelming. And I don't think it's changed since 2021. So black Americans want reparations. But joining us now is a colleague of mine, Dominic Carty, works at WABC Radio, as I do. And some of you are listening to the No Spin News now under the title of Common Sense on WABC. Dominic Carter is a longtime political reporter. He joins us now from the city. Okay, in your experience, Dom, um, why do so many African-Americans want free stuff? You know what, Bill? I, I, I think you know I'm a straight shooter. And um, I'm going to answer your question, but I have to start with this because I would be remiss if I didn't. I want to thank you for what you've done throughout the years, always telling the truth to the American people. Bill O'Reilly, you are the man. You're right. People want free stuff. And in this case, it's disgusting from those in the African-American community that are pushing this bill. It's divisive. It's never going to happen. States can't afford it. City can't afford it. Why push something that's never going to happen? I, I would think, honestly, Bill, and, and you know, we can talk about a number of issues as it relates to this. I would think that it would be more important in particular in my community, in the Black community, to discuss the issues, the more prevalent and relevant issues of Black-on-Black -black crime and education, rather than some pipe dream of reparations that's never going to happen, ever. But again, why do so many African-Americans want it to happen? Well, you said it in your lead-in. Free things. Uh, one, Bill, I want to believe, I really do, that most Americans, I know the numbers are overwhelming based on polling, but I, I want to believe that most African Americans in their heart do not believe that. I want to believe that most African Americans get up and go to work every day and they're trying to survive and provide for their families. This narrative of reparations, Bill, has always been there. But, but this is the problem, Bill, with, with, the woke agenda that you talk about. This is the problem with Black Lives Matter, that they have pushed this narrative where now these types of issues are in the forefront. And so something that was always in the background, but not really the major issue, has become a major issue. And, and all it is, Bill, if I can be brutally honest with you, it, it's a crutch. Uh, it, 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 it really breaks my heart. Uh, that, that some African-Americans are pushing this. But at the end of the day, it is true what you said, Bill. I, I mean, because slavery happened so many years ago. I'm not saying it was awful what happened in slavery. But whenever you offer free stuff to people, they want to take it. And frankly, that's been the democratic narrative and in terms of the Biden administration particularly when it comes to African-Americans. And we'll see if it works this time, but it's not going to help the community. All it's going to do is hurt the African-American community. 
Bill O'Reilly, you know, it's your show. You're the man. What is the point of promising someone under reparations a, a home for a dollar? That doesn't teach you to appreciate the fact that you've got to work hard to come up with the down payment and, and, and work hard the American dream. You're, you're selling somebody a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Bill, I grew up, and don't tell me about, oh, well, Dominic, you know, uh, you're not black enough. Bill, I grew up in the projects of New York City on welfare without a father in my life. You're talking about reparations. To a degree, they're already here. I was able to go to college on basically an affirmative action type program, but it wasn't just for black kids. It was for white kids, Asian, for everybody. And that's the way it should be. It, it's th This reparations argument is dividing America. It's not going to bring us together. And it's never going to happen, Bill. All right. I got it. So after uh, Kathy Hochul uh, defeated Lee Zeldin for governor of New York, despite the fact that there were dead bodies stacked in black neighborhoods all across New York City. I mean, absolutely. you can't even go to the grocery store if you're a 67-year-old woman with a, with a pocketbook because somebody's going to steal your pocketbook. Yes. So... The reason that Zeldin lost to Hochul was because 90% of black voters in New York City voted for Hochul. 90%, 9 out of 10. Even though Hochul is directly responsible for death and destruction in the black neighborhood. So then I, O'Reilly, this is what I do. I decided to research this. And I've never really said this before because my research is not complete, but I think that you uh, are a good person to bounce it off, Don. The black culture now, the social culture in America is so ingrained with grievance, as I was talking about with Donald Trump. Everywhere you look, all entertainment vehicles, hip hop, rap, all that. There's no more Motown. There's no more uplift. It's we're a persecuted race. We African-Americans are persecuted by our own country. We always have been persecuted. We are owed not only money, but deference. We are owed uh, free, get out of fr uh, jail free card. You can't incarcerate us even if we hurt other African-Americans. We, we are a, a nation aside. We are not what other Americans are. Our culture is different. It's based on grievance. And you, white man, or Asian man, or whoever, you owe us. You owe us. And you better pay up. That's what's driving this, because as you said, the Democratic Party plays right into that separate culture. It's like an apartheid. The black culture is different than the white culture in America. And most African-Americans have bought it. Your reaction? I agree with you 8,000%, Bill. You call it the way it is. And I'm now going to use that term, borrowing it from you, the grievance culture. Because that's what's happened, uh, sadly, and it really does break my heart, in the black community. 
when when I when I started out as a political reporter, Bill, in 1985, I was assigned to cover Jesse Jackson uh, and the 88 presidential campaign. Every community we went to across America, in terms of uh, the black community, it was always the same thing: uh, high crime, things that exist now. And and don't don't don't. I'm tired of the victim game. I think most of us are tired of this, Bill. I'm tired of it's everybody else's fault, but you're not introspective in terms of what what are you doing? What is the community doing? And it has to stop. It really has to stop. And the only ones that can stop it, because Black Lives Matter, besides uh, besides making themselves quite rich with buying uh, wealthy real estate, it's been nothing but a con. Let's call it what it is. The George Floyd situation, it was tragic, but he's not the type of guy, no disrespect to Mr. Floyd, that the black community should be looking up to. Frankly, we should be looking up to doctors, lawyers, educators, people that are doing the right thing. Nobody wants to talk about the black on black crime. Everybody wants to frankly blame white people for what black people are doing. No, at the end of the day, we are responsible, Bill, and we should have a better grasp of our community. Well, I hope and it happens, Dom. I watch and listen to you every night, Bill, Thank because you. you tell the truth and you don't hide behind the race car. Well, you and come on after me, so, so I listen to you too. But, I, you know, look, you and I are simpatico in our philosophy of life, self-reliance. America is a great country. There is opportunity yes. if you seize it, yes. but you have to have discipline to seize it. All right, Dominic yes. Carter, WABC Radio. There he is. Appreciate it, Don. Very nice of you to help us out tonight. Okay, this was pretty lively. Um, yesterday, Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the border. They drag in Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's hapless. We all know that. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's an order taker. He's not a policy generator. He can't solve any problems. He's totally clueless. Well, Ted Cruz gave it to him. Go. Mr. Secretary, I want to say to you right now, your behavior is disgraceful, and the deaths, the children assaulted, the children raped, they are at your feet, and if you had integrity, you would resign. And I will tell you, the men and women of the Border Patrol, they've never had a political leader undermine them. They despise you, Mr. Secretary, because you're willing to let children be raped to follow political orders. This is a crisis, it's a disgrace, and you won't even admit this human tragedy is a crisis. Claiming one minute chairman time, Mr. Secretary, would you like to respond to any of those questions? What the senator said was revolting. I'm not gonna address it. Your refusal to do your job is revolting. Okay, so a couple of things here. Mayorka shouldn't be in the government at all, just like Buttigieg shouldn't be there, okay? Just like Kamala Harris shouldn't be there. They don't know what they're doing, and they couldn't care less. They do what they are told. So Mayorkas, he, he, the, the White House tells Mayorkas what to do and what to say, and Mayorkas, that's what he does. And obviously, Joe Biden wants an open border, doesn't want border enforcement, whether it's narcotics coming in, five and a half million migrants coming in, Biden doesn't care. Now, just that alone disqualifies Joe Biden. But beating up Mayorkas 
gets attention. I know that's why Cruz did it. But he's not, he is the problem in the sense that he has no courage. But he's not the problem because he didn't implement the policy Biden did. All right, China is warning uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, that if Mr. McCarthy meets with the president of Taiwan, President Tsai, I think that's how you say her name, uh, there's going to be, quote, resolute countermeasures. So this meeting is supposed to take place in California on April 5th in L.A. Uh, the president of Taiwan is visiting uh, South American countries where they have trade agreements, coming back through Los Angeles. So the Chinese threaten us, you know, and the Chinese know they can threaten us all day long. We're not going to do anything about it. Not that we should. I don't think you ignite a world war, but you got to know these people have no respect for us. All right. Tennessee shooting latest is really not much. Um, Apparently the shooter, uh, Audrey Hale, who wanted to be Aiden, trans person, uh, had designs on murdering in another school. Uh, Sean Hannity reported this today on the radio, and I have a lively discussion with him about guns. It's posted on BillOReilly.com. Apparently, this Hale person was going to go to another school, but there was security at that school, though she decided to hit the Presbyterian school. Um, uh, There's going to be this evening a vigil uh, in Nashville to honor uh, those fallen three nine-year-olds and uh, three adults. It's just, you know, I'm not going to belabor this thing. I put forth my solution to gun violence in this country. Uh, It's on BillOReilly.com. It's pretty clear. Uh, It would help a lot, but they're never going to do it. They being Congress, never, a million years. Russian economy. Now is another I told you so from O'Reilly. I, I don't like to sound egotistical. I know some of you don't believe that, but where does it get me to sound egotistical? It doesn't get me anywhere, all right? So I don't want to sound that way. But on March 17th, 2022, St. Patrick's Day, I did an analysis of sanctions against Russia And I said, they will work. Roll it. The economic sanctions are the big thing. They're going to strangle the Russian people. And the Russian people are the key to Putin's demise. The Russian people turn against him, all right, en masse. Putin can't survive even with the secret police and the army. He can't. Okay. So in the ensuing year, the sanctions have been imposed. Many pundits on the right and the left are saying, ah, sanctions didn't do anything. They didn't do a thing. Well, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that in the first two months of this year, Russia's energy revenue is down 50%. Okay? Retail sales in Russia last year down almost 7%, the worst showing since 2015, and 50% of all Russian businesses don't have enough workers because of the Ukraine war, because the young men are being drafted into the war. So their economy, the Russian economy, is tottering. But you wouldn't know that listening to television news in the USA. Go. 
while our living standards are crumbling and our economy is contracting and projected to contract over the coming years, uh, economy, the Russian economy is actually growing uh, in spite of the sanctions campaign, which is largely boomeranged and uh, obviously crippled the uh, uh, European economies uh, throughout uh, last year. If you're just looking at the economy, the sanctions that were put in place were supposed to effectively destroy the Russian economy. Uh, it was supposed to be down 10 points on GDP, 15 percent down on GDP. Turns out we're only down two to four points on GDP, depending on how you measure it. So the first guy's outright lying, the libertarian guy that looks like a werewolf. And the last guy is taking selective propaganda out of Putin's government. He's not analyzing independently. Now, the guy who wrote this article, Evan Gershevich, 31 years old, Wall Street Journal reporter, okay, has been arrested today for writing the story. And he's going to be held in detention until May 29th without any trial or any anything. So they arrested him and he's in jail. So what is Biden going to do about that? Nothing. He won't even mention it, just like the drone. What should he do? You arrest an American reporter for writing an article for an American publication, then we're going to cut off all air travel to Russia. No American planes are going to land in Moscow or anywhere else. Boom. And we're going to encourage NATO to do the same thing. No commerce to Russia unless you let this man out and he comes back to the USA. That's how you solve it, right there. That's what a strong president would do. Biden, he's not even working today. Oh, it makes me so angry. All right, let's go to Washington, D.C., where I am right now. So uh, this is a story broken by Senator Katie Britt from Alabama. Apparently, a whistleblower went to her and said that U.S. Marshals protecting Supreme Court justices, you remember all the demonstrations after the Roe decision, were told not to arrest the demonstrators unless they absolutely had to. This is what Senator Britt is putting out there. Okay, this goes against what Attorney General Garland said. You know, we're aggressively enforcing the law. It's a federal law. You can't go to a Supreme Court justice house to try to intimidate that person. Okay? But a written memo tells the marshals not, not to do that unless it's a catastrophe. Now, I don't know what's true here, but I suspect the memo is true. I suspect Merrick Garland is not telling the truth to the American people. Now, Garland's response, we've got to be fair here. There's nothing for me to amend in this situation because I've never seen those slides, that's the memo, before. Well, Garland, why don't you just read it? It'll take you two minutes and then give us a report. No, not going to do it. I think we all know what's going on here. I think we do. The rejection of religion in this country, either the Pope. And I was going to save this for Holy Week because I got a bunch of stuff I'm going to tell you about next week. People become atheists or agnostics because they don't want to be judged. 
So consider this. If you don't believe in God, how do you explain giant dinosaurs roaming the earth? Did they come out of cells from the ocean? I, I mean, that's a pretty big trend. And how did the ocean get there to begin with? Did it just pop up? There's the ocean. Hello. Logic dictates there is a supreme being. There is an architect of the world. Logic dictates that. But if you don't want someone telling you what is good and what is evil, you're not going to believe. That's it. I don't want anybody telling me I'm sinning. I, I want to do what I want. Heaven and hell. That's what that is. People believe what they want to believe, and they don't believe what they don't want to believe. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News.